Nick once had my picture on his shelf. But now when I see him, he tells me to fuck myself. Well, play Canada! Play Canada! It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came aboard. Play Canada! Play Canada! They're not even a real country anyway. Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love. And our movie today is a special one because it is going to be one of my rare explicit episodes. In fact, I can already guarantee this will probably be the most explicit episode of Staff Picks ever. So please put the children to bed or take them out of the car if you're listening to this because we are talking about the 1999 movie South Park. Bigger, longer, and uncut, which is one of the dirtiest movies ever made. In fact, I just looked this up. At one time, it may still hold this record, where it's the most profanity per minute. One profane uh, utterance every six seconds. And it was a notorious movie at the time. It was a uh, groundbreaking movie at the time. It really kind of elevated South Park just from a niche TV show into something that was a little bigger. And I have a lot to say about it because I have very fond memories of this movie. And I don't think it gets talked about nearly enough these days. So I'm very happy to bring it back into the uh, consciousness of the movie public. And my guest on this podcast is, uh, once again, I have an international guest. It's funny, I always have the Australian host for my most interesting episodes. And when I announced that I was doing a South Park movie episode, I have a friend named Ben Waterworth, who uh, he's an Australian podcaster, talks about reality TV. I'm actually a much more mainstream podcaster than I am. He does more uh, legit stuff than I do. But he said, hey, I love that movie. Let's talk about it. I'm like, oh, great. I'd love to have an Australian's perspective on the profane world of South Park. So I want to welcome her to the show. This is the first time we've ever done a podcast together, I think. He may have to correct me on that, but it's the first time he's been on Staff Picks. Welcome, Ben Waterworth. Fuck. All right, got that over and done with. Uh, hello, Mario. Thank you for for having me. It's uh, Yeah, it's a long time coming. I think I was a guest on a some survivor project you did a long time ago but outside of that uh no i i don't think i have so um i'm, I'm honored to chat to you it's uh, it's been a long time coming and uh very excited to be here today and hopefully uh we can maybe keep tally of our swear words there's one at least <laughs> yeah i don't know if we can do one every six seconds <laughs> but we will try our best. And it's funny because... I'm Australian. Yeah, Come you're on. Australian. Challenge accepted. <laughs> and you have different swear words, so I'm not sure we'll count some of our words as the same tally. Probably not. Probably not. If I if I said the words, you know, um, Kerry-Ann Kennelly, you probably wouldn't know what that means, but very offensive to Australians listening right now. <laughs> Damn it, I just lost all my Australian sponsors, you jerk. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Had to happen eventually. Come on. You tallywhacker. <laughs> Oh, careful. They're bootable offenses, those words in our country. You know, you, the, the boot is a very respected thing. You don't, I know how you Americans like to get booted in Australia. I've seen The Simpsons. Well, it's funny that you bring up being booted from Australia because one of the reasons I wanted to pick Ben for this podcast is that he has been booted from Australia. He now <laughs> lives in Canada, which is perfect for this movie because now I have someone to bounce Canadian jokes off of. I'll be completely honest with you, actually, when this idea came up and, you know, you contacted me and said, hey, like, this would be great. Let's do it. Um, I actually thought, well, let's make this even better. I will fly to Canada purely for this episode. So I've actually just uh, gone to Canada, gone, come on, Mario, contact me. Here you are. So as soon as I've recorded this, I can try and leave. I don't think I can actually get on a plane right now. A bit tricky for that. But, um, you know, I, at least, hey, the world is my oyster. I can leave Canada after today. So thank you. 
Yeah, so you are the first method actor we have ever had on Staff Picks, and now the <laughs> pandemic has trapped you in the world of the polar bear. Yeah, gosh, geez, uh, a bit too method now. You know, it serves me right for really trying to go all out for just one interview. But hey, you know, them's the breaks, I guess. <laughs> so why don't you uh, give us a little bit of your history? And I say that specifically because this was one of the most highly requested episodes of Staff Picks. When I announced I'd finally picked a host for it, there were a lot of angry, bitter Americans out there that thought you <laughs> took their jobs. <laughs> they took our job. So, so wh why were you the perfect person to to do South Park movie. Are you a South Park fan in general? Mad South Park fan. I remember, you know, 98, I think it was when it basically, boom, it just exploded everywhere and it was kind of just the, the biggest thing. And I was 11, so, you know, perfect target audience for South Park, clearly. And it was one of those things that you discover, you realize how amazing this is, all your friends at school just, just get so obsessed with it. And then it's one of those things that your mother catches you watching and automatically tells you, no, you can't watch this. So it makes you want to watch it even more. So, um, yeah, I, I just was absolutely in love with it. I, I remember having a South Park folder. I would buy any magazine that I could see. And this was like $5 pocket money. And $5 in Australia is, I don't know, like 10 cents in American money, essentially. So, you know, it was, it was very rare that I could afford a magazine. But, you know, I kept everything South Park and just ridiculously obsessed. But I, I don't think I saw this movie probably till, till many years into my high school years. So it was definitely wasn't at the cinemas. I wasn't one of these ones who went and saw Wild Wild West just to sneak into South Park, unfortunately. But I wish I was because I could imagine this would be a fun movie to have seen on the big screen. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, one question that brings to mind. Did you wear, like, Terrence and Phillips shirts like the kids in the movie to school? Uh, not to school. We, we have to wear uniforms in school in oh. Australia. So, yeah, can't really do that. But I did have a um, Don't Kick the Baby t-shirt, <laughs> um, which uh, Australia just – they wanted to ban everything South Park. Like, these t-shirts were so inappropriate. <laughs> and I remember there being a big media shitstorm over – you know, these T-shirts that are kind of implying that you should kick a baby, even though it said, don't kick the baby. So, <laughs> you know, Australia being Australia, cool, you be you, my friends. But um, no, no, couldn't wear them to school, sadly. That wasn't our uniform. <laughs> that one of my favorite little visual jokes in this movie, and I always forget it's in there and it makes me laugh every time, is there's a scene in the movie where all the kids are wearing uh, Terrence and, Terrence and Philip shirts <laughs> at school. And at one point, this little girl lifts up her, tea, her lunch tray and her shirt just says, Cockmaster. Yeah. <laughs> so I was hoping perhaps you were wearing that shirt at 11 at your Australian school. Not yet, but I will have to order that now, actually. I forgot about that one. But, you know, I mean, there, there's so many things in this movie. I mean, gosh, when I saw this at high school, like, I had this friend. We, we had several classes together, and all we would do is sit there and just constantly quote this movie. We would sing the songs, and there was just, like, the most random little moments in this movie, too, that you, you would quote. Like, yeah, there's the great moments we all remember, but just, like, little moments of just... You know, Cartman basically like, I saw the parents feel the movie. Who wants to touch me? Who wants to fucking touch me? And then like everyone comes and goes. And then all of a sudden there's silence. He's next to Kenny. He's like, I hate you, Kenny. Just like <laughs> random shit like that. That I would just sit there. I'm like, I hate you, Ian. Just like randomly say that to my friend. And oh, this movie. And like, I hadn't watched this in so long, I think, in, in lead up to this. And since I watched it, I can't stop singing the songs. They're stuck in my head. I can't stop quoting. This is this is taking me back to how much I love this movie. Yeah, okay, let's give a little overview for people because we have a lot to talk about and we're just going to devolve into a giggle and cursing fest at a certain point. 
<laughs> but yes. yeah, so South Park, the TV show came out in 97, 8, somewhere in there. I think you said the year. Mm-hmm. I will say specifically, I wasn't the biggest South Park fan at first. I thought it, I wasn't really a fan of animated stuff. I didn't like stuff that was dirty just to be dirty. But I was also a little older than you. Like an 11 year old would have loved that. I was already, I was 24. I'm like, you know, I've seen stuff that's dirty. I don't really need to see R-rated kids swearing. But South Park, the movie, took it to a whole nother level. Although, oh, I have a story. I forgot I wanted to tell this. So you won't know who I'm talking about here. But when I first, I, I was, my first job ever was in Seattle in 1998 or 97. And I'm working at a computer company. And there's this girl who works, works there with me. Her name is Rachel. And she's like, hey, there's this new TV show out called South Park. Could you tape it for me? Because she didn't have cable in her house. And I did. She was about my age. She goes, I just moved here from New Jersey. I moved to Seattle. I have a tiny apartment, no cable, but I want, I'm dying to see the show, South Park. So I would tape it for her. And I didn't like it. I'd watch it. I'm like, nah, this isn't really my thing. But I'd tape it for her, and she loved it. She thought it was the greatest show ever. And what's interesting is she became a huge deal. Her name is Rachel Flotard, and she eventually became this queen of, like, the indie music scene in Seattle in the late 90s, early 2000s. All right. So someday I'm trying to get her on the podcast. I don't know if some of my listeners may actually recognize her name. She was a big deal, but she was just my coworker. I used to tape South Park for, but she got me into South Park and I was kind of like, I would kind of watch a show once in a while, but then a year, a year and a half later, the movie came out and that, that is where the shit hit the fan with South Park because I am not exaggerating. If you've not seen this movie before, you have never seen anything like this. Like, this is South Park on crack. It is so profane, so dirty, so inappropriate. You will be stunned to know that kids were seeing this movie in a theater in 1999. And it's it's crazy, too, that this comes out at, at sort of peak South Park because, mm-hmm. I mean, what, it took The Simpsons nearly 20 years to get a movie out, didn't it? And that was something that dogged them for years. When are you doing a movie? When are you doing a movie? And basically they, you know, Matt Stone, Trey Parker got this out immediately. And a lot of that came down to the fact as well that, you know, they kept thinking that this show isn't going to last, you know, so they're like, oh, let's, let's go out of our way to just make this, as you said, like completely dirty, completely inappropriate. And just also reading all the, the background with how much they <laughs> fought, like the, the censors for this movie and everything. The, the fact that I think it literally has 399 swear words in it, so it couldn't get an NC-17 rating, so it could fit the R rating, like things like that. Like, I, I'm i a mad Matt Stone and Trey Parker fan. I, I listened to your basketball episode because I, I love that movie too. And these guys are geniuses. And this is like peak, you know, this movie could not have come out at a more perfect time. I think if you'd waited till now to release it it's not going to have the same effect but i mean this this was absolutely perfect timing for them to to release this movie yeah so it's like what about two years two and a half years into south park they were working on it ever since the first season because like you said they expected the show would flop and i see i remember thinking when this movie came out that south park was already on the decline i remember thinking oh well it's good they're getting one last lick in before they end because it it seemed like it had been on for a while and it wasn't quite as groundbreaking as it once was and i think even trey parker and matt stone have said the second and third third seasons were a disaster that they hated Mm. making them and they not only did they hate the making of this movie i read somewhere they have no recollection of even making it yeah yeah i think during their blu-ray commentary when they released it in 2009 they were like yeah we were just so flat out And i think even a bunch of the other people who worked on it have, have said the same which which is crazy to think because i mean the great thing about south park is that it's very topical they kind of they turn it around very quickly don't they like a week or two sort yeah. of you know the style of animation so all the episodes are kind of very relevant so i mean you got to imagine and this was you know pre 
computer stuff that they probably have a lot more help with today. This is still, you know, late 90s where, yeah, there's computers, but not to the extent you have now. So you've got to admire them for kind of putting this out and kind of understand why they maybe don't remember it. I mean, they could have also been on LSD. You know, (laughs) they were at the Oscars a few months after this. But, hey, you know, it was the 90s. It was a fun time. Okay, now a couple other things about this movie. It came out in the year 1999, which I have said before is my favorite movie year of all time because there's like 20 movies I love in 99. That was like my favorite year. And at the time, I would have said this was probably my favorite of the year. The three, wow. like if you had asked me in 2000, hey, what were the big movies of last year? The ones that I liked the most, I liked the South Park movie. I love The Matrix. And yes. I, almost, I loved American Pie. Those are the big three yes. that would have stood out to me. But that people forget, this was in the middle of that amazing run of movies that year. Yeah, ninety nine is one of these. Like, it's funny you say that about movies. I I, I randomly always say nineteen ninety nine to me is the best year of music. I love nineteen ninety nine music. There's a random tangent, but you're right there. I mean, there's so many great movies. I mentioned Wild Wild West before. I don't know if this is a thing to say on this show or not. Uh, Wild Wild West, I'm a fan of. Um, so you know, one of these movies that I really really like and. Even like the Phantom Menace and like it was a big year for movies, nineteen ninety nine. And yeah, I I think maybe you could be onto something there. That that could be. And I need to go through the full list to really work that out about you know best year for movies ever possibly. I big call, but I like it. Well, yeah, it was like every weekend there was like a big and they weren't like all blockbusters. There was stuff like Being John Malkovich, which was really interesting. There was a uh, Election, the Alexander Payne movie came out yep. that year. There's just a lot. I just remember American Beauty, I think, was that year. It was just everything. There was something interesting almost every weekend. I was at the movies all summer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I was I was 12, so it kind of relied on my parents. But um, yeah, gosh, American Beauty, love that movie as well. Um, God, yeah, such a great year. You're making me really want to go back and watch more now, Mario. (laughs) This is uh, dangerous. That's what I do. I inspire people to watch more movies, Ben. Galaxy Quest as well. Yes, I mean, Galaxy you, Quest. I, I believe you've covered that on on the show. One of my favorite movies of all time. So yeah, like God, this is yeah, yeah, nineteen ninety nine. Maybe this is just it's just a thing. Prince was onto something in the eighties. <laughs> like you know, you knew why to sing about it. God, this is such is always going to be a great year, and it clearly was. Okay, and then to sum up even more. So this movie came out right at the in June ninety nine. It was right after Columbine. It was like two months. And it kind of predicted a lot of the stuff that had happened in Columbine, like the media would blame certain things. They'd blame Marilyn Manson. They blame goth kids. It was, it's this movie was very prescient in that, or prescient in that way. And but that, that this is something I think a lot of modern fans might not know. This movie was not only a big deal and a big hit. It really opened South Park's, eye, I mean, people's eyes to South Park in the mainstream. But it was nominated for best original song. Which I love that they had to have Blame Canada performed at the Oscars, but they had to cut out the line and that bitch Anne Marie too. And and Robin Williams, of all people, sang this. I, I remember watching the Oscars that year, and that, that actually, now that I think of it, might have been my first exposure to the movie because, you know, I, again, was only 13 then, so maybe that was a case of, oh, cool, uh, there's my first taste of the movie, I'll have to go see it. But to see Robin Williams sing this, and it's a great performance. If people have never seen it, look it up. It's fantastic. And I... I I think it was just – it's crazy of all the songs, as you said, that this is the one that got nominated. And and you think about, too, the, the likes of, you know, Trey Parker – Academy Award nominee. He, he, if he had won that Oscar, he would he would have the egot because he's got everything else. So I mean, this is this is crazy to think that Trey Parker, one half of the creators of South Park, 
is nearly an EGOT winner. You know, I mean, think of the big names out there, not EGOT winners. Trey Parker is 75% there. But um, I do appreciate the fact that they, because they lost to Phil Collins and that they basically spent a good portion of the next couple of seasons ripping shit into to Phil Collins because they were just like, I think they said in an interview something like, you know, we knew we were going to lose, but we didn't want to lose to Phil Collins. <laughs> okay, yeah. And let's talk about the soundtrack. Now, I know we're oh, probably yeah we're pre- so good. we're preaching to the choir with people that already know this movie, but I will anticipate that a lot of my viewer my listeners do not know this movie. This movie like is funny and it's groundbreaking and it's got lots and lots of profanity, including some very creative ones like Aspelunker. That's a new word. <laughs> <laughs> but the soundtrack, like when I came out of this movie in '99, I had a newfound respect for Trey Parker and Matt Stone because I was like, the songs in that movie were so good. And not just like funny songs, like those were Broadway quality songs. Some of these songs they pulled off in this movie. And I know Trey Parker has done this in other movies. I know he has a background in in songwriting and and stuff like that. And he had a a co-writer, Mark Shaman, who is a big name Broadway songwriter and stuff. But like the stuff that they cranked out in this movie is so good. Like I always thought Blame Canada was the wrong one. That's not the one that should have won the Academy Award or the Best Song nomination. I think there's probably three or four songs that are even better than that in this movie. Completely agree. And I think, you know, I'm not the biggest musical fan, but if somebody asked me, list your favorite musical movie, I would say South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, because this is a soundtrack that I can listen to nonstop, know every single song, love every single song. You can, you can clearly see why, you know, the Book of Mormon is a big hit, you know, or yeah. over a decade later for these guys. But you, you're so right. And it's like, it, it, there's so many songs on this that just, just still to this day are, are hilarious. I mean, my favorite is honestly probably up there. Um, and that's, I think, the only one where I think there's no swearing. There's just something about that song that I absolutely love. <laughs> um, I love Hell Isn't Good, just the fact that they get James Hetfield in to basically, you know, provide the voice in this thing. Um, I mean, God, there's, there's not a bad song on the whole thing. I mean, the, the weakest to me, I hate, I don't hate, that's a bad word to use, Ben. La Resistance is the weakest one to me. But even like, I start listening to it, and I'm like, I don't like this song. But then I go, actually, I don't mind this song. It's okay. <laughs> and then you kind of go, yeah, I like this song. Fuck it. You know, and then you kind of just realize this whole soundtrack is amazing. I was just going to ask you, what is your favorite song on the soundtrack? And then question B, what is the most underrated song on the soundtrack? And you already named my pick. You picked up there because that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. I just, there's something about it that I really like because it's, there's that lyric in it where it's, you know, without good, there could not, without evil, there could not be good. So it must be good to be evil sometimes. I, I could have tried to sing it, but I, you, I want you to keep your listeners. But I just, I don't know. There's just something always about that lyric that I think like, wow, that's, that's so smart. He's, he's so right. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Evil. Woo. Um, and then I just love the visuals of that song where you've, you know, just got him on the boat with all like the men and just splashing around. I'm like just oh it's so crazy but hilarious it's just this you just cannot help but crack up laughing at any part of this movie and the songs just just add to it so much yeah for people who do not know that song it is a parody of the little mermaid where she wants to go live on the <laughs> land above the sea and have legs and walk around but in the movie they have satan singing it he wants to go up to earth and he wants to walk around like a human and there's a the whole song is about how i'm being shunned for my beliefs and i must stay down here below even though he's the minion of darkness and he gets a fucking love ballad. <laughs> and it's just, I mean, this is one thing that's like hilarious. Again, just the, the layers to this movie about how like, you know, right. Like he's Satan, you know, this big guy, you know, evil. It's 
fucking Satan, for God's sakes. And he's having, like, a lover's quarrel with Saddam Hussein, who's just this, you know, sex-crazed little monster deviant, which is just... It, it's just hilarious. I mean, who thinks of that? Matt Stone and Trey Parker clearly do. And it's just, it's just, it's gold. It's so funny. <laughs> okay, we're going to get into the plot here because we got a lot to delve into. But a couple more things I want to mention before we get into it. The, It's historic, the battle that Trey Parker and Matt Stone had with the MPAA rating board for this movie. Just read about it sometime. We couldn't possibly do it justice. All the back and forth they went through just to get this in our rating, like the... Comedy Central wanted it to be a PG movie. Trey Parker and Matt Stone say, no, it has to be an R-rated. It has to stick to all our beliefs that this has to be boundary pushing. The the ratings board would not give them an R. They wanted N, 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 what is it? NC-17. And like mm. you said earlier, the cutoff for an NC-17 is 400 profanities. So they specifically <laughs> put 399 just so they wouldn't quite cross the threshold. It's... It's genius. It's so funny. And you've got to respect them for, for sticking, you know, standing their ground and basically like, no. Because, like, imagine a South Park movie that's PG-13. I mean, it's – I mean, as, as it is, on TV at the time, it was edgy. And it, it, they didn't drop the F-bomb. You know, they didn't do, you know, hugely things. But they, they pushed the boundaries enough. You know, it was the, – the, the episode um, that I remember my mum basically – Catching me watch happened to be one of the Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh episodes. Of course, like she's literally watching me watch an episode with a turd with a Christmas hat on, bumping around, going Mr. Hanky the Christmas Pooh. Like, I mean, that's clearly not going to go down well with a parent of a of an eleven year old. So, I mean, yeah, it would have still been funny, but like, I mean, I think what makes this movie so great is the fact that they can get away with saying all the stuff they do and the content because you literally got a movie within a movie that's so bad. That the satire there is we're going to go to war with another country because we don't want them saying naughty words. And, you know, the speech, and I'm jumping ahead here, of course, when, you know, Sheila's like, you know, it's it's all well and good that we can kill and murder viciously as long as you don't say any naughty words at the same time. Like, it's just the way they do it is just hilarious. So, yeah, good on them that they managed to get it over over the line to get so many, you know, get that R rating at the end. Yeah, and that's very important to point out that this movie isn't just profane just for being profane's sake. There's an actual good message in it in that they're pointing out the hypocrisy of movie ratings at the time is that yeah. you could shoot 100 people and no one bats an eye. A little kid could watch that movie. You say one F word and a kid can't see it. And that's the whole point of this movie. They're pointing out the hypocrisy. So hypocrisy. So it's not just them swearing just to swear. Like there's an actual message behind this movie that I think is very important, even in this day and age where stuff is even more, you know, sanitized and censored and, and shut down even more so than it was in the late 90s. Like this movie, I think, really, really uh, pushes the, the boundaries there and rubs the right nerve on uh, what exactly the hypocrisy is, is on some of these decisions and what gets censored. And I think, too, from an Australian's perspective, like, a, a lot of Australians do look at America and, and think you guys, like, wow, like, you're so caught up on things like swearing, like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? Because you, you literally got all this violence and everything on TV. And a, a really kind of a, a funny moment sort of almost tied into some of your other work, Mario, is that um, Jeff Probst was on a, an Australian talk show at one point, and this Australian talk show was on cable, so they could swear. And I don't think Propes realized he could swear. So at one point, the host, like, dropped, you know, shit or something like that. And Propes kind of looked up and was like, 
wait, you can swear on this show? Like, and, and the host is like, yeah. And, and Prost's like, well, fucking hell, why didn't you tell me? And then just like starts dropping every swear word under the sun because to Americans, it's, it's obviously a weird thing to be able to swear at certain points on TV. Whereas Australians, I mean, fuck, like, you know, you, you walk into the airport, you meet, so fucking how you going, Cobble? Like, fucking welcome to Australia. <laughs> All right, so that's 10 swear words you've already got now. Yeah, okay, cool, right. You know, 388 to 89 to go. Cool. Okay, so yeah, so once again, this is an 81-minute movie, very short, 81 minutes of pure profane goodness. And I will say, I used to have on my website back in the early 2000s, I had my favorite movie reviews that always made me laugh. And one of my favorite was this Christian movie website that reviewed (laughs) movies for how appropriate they were for families and children. (laughs) And suffice it to say, Ben, they did not like the South Park movie. In fact, I, really? I, 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 there was one sentence in there. They said it was a it was a movie <laughs> devolved from the pit of hell. Wow. And well, kind of true. I mean, Satan. That's hell. Right. Yep. Yep. They were very, you know, uh, very close to the mark there, I think. What movies does that website approve, though? Like, I mean, what what list of movies do they all of a sudden go? Like, Lassie, you know, yes, you can go see that. That's except for the end, but sure, you can still go see it. <laughs> I think Marley and Me was the only one they approved of. Ah, right, okay then. <laughs> clearly, clearly, there you go. Finally, after all these years, Marley and Me. And that, I think actually, now you now you say that, I think it was on the poster. So, you know, there you go, I remember that. Approved. Yeah. So again, people have to remember, put this movie in its place and time. South Park was a dirty, boundary-pushing show, but they still couldn't swear on Comedy Central, I believe, like the S-word and the F-word. I'm pretty sure you couldn't before this movie. And then this movie was basically Trey Parker Matt Stone, Matt Stone unleashing it all fury. <laughs> well, they did an episode, didn't they, eventually, where they, they pushed the... the it was, wasn't the episode just called Shit or something like that, where they dropped shit like however many times they could in a in a half hour spell or something like that i think that was after the movie though but i could be wrong there would be some south park expert but i know this movie was a big deal because it added south park plus swearing so that's the big takeaway Mm -hmm. here yeah yeah and and that and that's like going back to what i was saying before about how like it's a big deal that that they have that because it is kind of it is one of those shows that you expect there to be like all this naughty language in it, and they're obviously confined by the censors. So, so when you do see something like that, it, it kind of adds, and it just fits. Like it just it straight away it fits. You know, immediately you're kind of like, okay, this is how the show should be. And I don't know if that then maybe led Comedy Central to relax a few things or just censors change over the times. But um, yeah, this is this is I feel watching this movie like okay, this is how South Park should be. <laughs> And what's what's great about it is this movie hits you hard and fast with a profanity right off the bat. There's no pussyfooting around. We're going to get into it very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, I mean, everything you, you know, I mean, this is the thing with any TV show adaptation is, you know, you expect certain things and kind of, you know, you, you need to build on it. But yeah, you're right. Like it, it hits you straight away. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, OK, cool. Well, we're really in for it now, aren't we? <laughs> I just picture all these movie critics and parents and kids' jaws dropping open the first time they saw this movie. Because, again, legitimately, this is one of the funniest movies I have ever seen. It still makes me laugh. I still cannot believe the audacity of some of the jokes. But, all right, let, let's go into it here. I, I'm, I, we only have an hour left, so let's make sure we get the jokes here. <laughs> so... The movie starts, again, these are established characters. People would have known South Park. It's these four kids, Cartman, Kyle, Stan, and Kenny, and they live in a little mountain town in Colorado, and it's all paper animation, really crappy looking. And the song, the movie starts with a song, as usual. This will be, there's 12 songs in this movie, I believe. And what's the first song? It's Mountain Town? 
Yeah, Mountain Town. No, I'll keep that was the Wendy song, but it sounds very similar, doesn't it? He's going around basically uh, singing this mountain song and, you know, friendly people everywhere. Get out of my way! And just like things like that. And I love the throwbacks like to the episodes as well. There's so many little references to some of the past episodes in this opening bit. What I will do is I will play a little clip of each song for my listeners. I don't know if I have the rights to do that, but I think it will be awesome, yes. Ah, screw the rights. Fuck them. <laughs> We will not try to sing. I will just play the actual clip, so we will not ruin it for you. Okay, no more singing. All right, got that. I'll, I'll, I'll note that down. But fa- you've got my permission, Mario. As an Australian in Canada, I think I have that right to give you permission to play the songs. You have that kind of legal power over my country? I do. I really do. I, like, it's this whole coronavirus thing is, has given, you know, Australians in Canada weird powers, and that's one of them. You know, I think I can quote the esteemed American ambassador when I say, fuck Canada. <laughs> hey fuck you buddy <laughs> hey tell me what this is a boot <laughs> this is a boot bureaucracy this is about freedom of speech what what are you laughing about all right brian adams here we go so <laughs> we start the song the movie with a mountain town song and all the kids are singing about this beautiful idyllic place they live out in the country and a life is perfect here and everything's happy and they're all excited because there's a new movie about to come out it's the big Big thing around the country, this movie by these Canadian uh, comedians named Terrence and Philip, and it's about to hit their little mountain town of South Park, and they're so excited. This is, you know, having been growing up in small towns, I lived in Spokane, Washington, it's a big deal when the new movies hit town. So within the first three minutes of the movie, we establish who these characters are, where they live, and the plot of the movie that this new movie is, uh, this, that this new movie is coming to their town. And I, one of my, probably my favorite episode of South Park uh, is the, the Not Without My Anus episode, you know, the episode that trolled fans after basically, you know. Yeah, explain that. Explain that. People won't know that. Well, so basically they, they, um, they had a big plot line about who Cartman's father is. And they ended on a, on a big cliffhanger, cliffhanger and they're like, oh, you know, we will reveal the father, you know, next week in next week's episode of South Park. So they come back a week later and they're like, the reveal of Cartman's father will be... Not tonight. Instead, let's watch an episode of Terrence and Philip. <laughs> and like, people were pissed. They were so mad because this was just Matt Stotray, like a trolling audiences. Like, hey, no, let's, you know, just like completely parody TV cliffhangers at the time. And it, it's a huge backlash, such a huge backlash. But again, that episode, love it to bits. Like, you know, ugly Bob, Celine Dion. Ah, oh, Celine Dion, why don't you love me? Oh, ugly Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, living in Canada, whenever I see craft dinner, I, I crack up laughing because of South Park. Thanks, South Park, for ruining craft dinner for me forever. <laughs> yeah, I remember that again. I wasn't watching South Park on a weekly basis, but I remember how angry fans were about that Terrence and Philip oh, episode. It was it, so much. Yeah, you guys don't, if you weren't there, you don't realize the anger of, of late 90s internet fans when they didn't get the South Park reveal they wanted. And Matt Stone and Trey Parker just laughing. And so Terrence and Philip were not like major characters. They were just side characters that South Park fans would have hated. Yeah, I mean, it would. It would be like just, I don't know, some massive show right now getting like the most B-list character and just whacking it on a week later when you kind of got this big reveal. It, it, it was absolutely madness. And, you know, this isn't binge-watch territory. You can't just jump online and catch up or something. Like, you have to wait a week. So, like, you know, you've got that anticipation of waiting that week for the reveal. And then all of a sudden, they've just gone, ha, fuck you, we're going to show a completely random episode to completely laugh at you. And then just people were mad. This was just insane. But genius. I'm sorry. Genius. So funny. 
Okay, so what else did we learn here at the start? We learned that the Terrence and Philip are putting out a movie. It's coming to can It's coming to South Park. We also learned that Saddam Hussein was just killed by a pack of wild boars, which <laughs> I, I kind of forgot about that because if you watch this movie now, you know Saddam Hussein is dead. But at the time, he was not. He was the leader of Iraq, or he's on trial. I forget exactly. What, what what his standing was, but he was not dead in hell at the time. He was still in power. So they're just mocking the crap out of him here. And I absolutely love just like um, subtle little moments when they're kind of, you know, they're all happy. It's a bright start to the movie and they go up to the movie box and it's like, you know, four tickets to Terrence and Philip, please. And then that guy's just like, no. <laughs> and you're like, what? And then I love that moment. Where it's like, is it Cartman says like, oh, you know, yeah, we don't need to see this movie. It's probably just filled with crappy animation anyway. And then they kind of turn on their side and you just see like the, the really awkward wobbly South Park motion because, you know, they just had the most basic animation. Um, and it's like they get the homeless guy basically, you know, uh, can we get tickets to the movie? And oh, he says it's not appropriate for you. It's like, do you want your money to go buy vodka? Six tickets to Terrence and Phillip, please. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that animation joke, because I know Trey Parker and Matt Stone have always said their comedy works best when they're making fun of themselves, and they, they have a really obvious dig at the style of their animation. I love that little moment right at the start of the movie. Yeah, and I think that's why they've always said, like, they, they chose a town where it's going to snow all the time, because they can get away with, like, walking if they're in snow, you know, you don't have to see that. But, um, yeah, like, it's just, they, they, they're so quick to just take the absolute piss out of themselves, and it's just, it's just yeah, hilarious little moments like that that this movie just it does so well. And once again, little, lots of little poignant criticisms of American culture and mores and values. At the very end of the Mountain Town song, they have a line, Off to the movies we will go, where we learn everything that we know, because the movies teach us what our parents don't have time to say. <laughs> so, again, this movie's a lot smarter than you think it is. It's making a lot of little valid criticisms. Which, I mean, it's, it's, it, you're right, and the fact that, you know, South Park itself was controversial and, and, you know, controversy over this movie. And just, I mean, as you said, it kind of it came not long after Columbine when all the talking points was about violence in the media and blaming that. And, you know, I think he, Matt Stone was in Bowling for Columbine, wasn't he, from from memory, as one of um, the interviewers as well. And he talked a lot at length about this. So clearly, you know, there's a relevance to, to kind of, you know, this movie and everything at the time as well. But, I mean, it, it, it – and again, jumping well ahead here, but I mean, it does hold up well, I think, kind of, because a lot of these issues that, you know, were talked about at the time, we're still talking about now, aren't we, 21 years later? And Matt Stone is from Columbine. That's why he's in that movie. Ah, right. Okay. It's been a while since I've seen that, but um, yeah, it just, it just clicked because I remember him and Marilyn Manson from that movie and the Canadians too. Finally, Canadians are on the mind today. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the rare movies we allowed Canadians to be in. So they slipped through our defenses. Okay, and any and anyone with William Shatner in it. Got it. <laughs> yes. All right, so here we go to the Terrence and Philip movie. Again, we're literally, I think, five minutes into this movie, and you're about to be hit with the most profane stretch of movie you were ever going to see. I'm not going to personally quote it because my kids are in the next room and I don't want to say it too loud, but Ben, as a proud Canadian who, and an Australian who loves to swear, what is the name? Okay, well, look, first, what is the name of Terrence and Phillips' movie, and then what is the name of the song, the hit song, to come out of the movie? Terrence and Phillips' Asses of Fire, which I really want to see. I really hope that one day they can they can make that. Um, but it then turns into Uncle Fucker, which, which is funny, because I think before Blame Canada, like, this was a song that I knew. Somehow this was, I remember being at school in 99, and... Some playing, you know, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. You're an African Uncle Fucker. You're an Uncle Fucker. It's, it's just, I mean, it's and like the, the, the thing that is so hilarious with it, too, is just they mix it with like 
farts. <laughs> and this is this is all Terence of Philippines. If you've ever watched South Park, you know that literally the entire you know the premise of South Park of uh, Terence of Philip is they just fart. And it's like, hey buddy, you want to hear a classic Canadian joke? <laughs> ah! Like it's just it's so stupid but hilarious. And it's just they they kind of have this massive dance number in the middle with a mountie blocking traffic. Like, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> Sorry if I'm, I'm actually making fart sounds on your show, Mario, but uh, it's just <laughs> mixed with Uncle Fucker. And then I love the fact that you've got this intersector with everybody, like, leaving the cinema except for the kids. And you've got, like, oh, what trash? Well, what do you expect here? They are Canadian. Uh, <laughs> just, like, walking out of it. So funny. Of the 399 profanities in this movie, I'm guessing 100 come from this scene. Because before they sing, again, the song is Uncle Fucker, which in a perfect world is the song that should have been nominated for Best best Song, because that's the song everybody remembers from this movie. Yep, yep. And it's like, and and I love the two, like, when they're watching it as well, like, you can clearly see them getting influenced. It's like, what is that? Like, you donkey ripping shit eater. And then they cut to, like, Hartman going, donkey ripping shit eater. (laughs) You shit faced cock master. And then did Ike say that too? Doesn't Ike even go like, go back, cockmaster, or something like that? <laughs> and the kids, the kids are listening to this profanity in the movie, and they're like the little aliens in Toy Story. Ooh, yes. ah, the claw. Yeah. They're so enamored. They're hearing words they've never heard before. <laughs> and yeah, the Uncle Effer song that I will refer to is a, a takeoff on people calling people mother effers that Trey Parker Matt Stone says, let's just say uncle instead of mother. So <laughs> shut your effing face, Uncle Effer. And it's it's set so to... So that's what it would have sound like at PG-13, folks. There you go. Exactly. But it's set to like a, the style of a, of a song from the musical Oklahoma. And mm. at one point they're farting. They're like scat farting where it's like on the beat. <laughs> what the hell is it? Like this is, this is the scene. I just imagine Roger Ebert, his mouth dropping open. That he's watching this in a cinema and he has to review this. But it's, it's in such horrible taste, but it's so funny. And it sets the tone nicely because the whole movie is based around this song. I don't think this is a movie that you you know you you're gonna watch with certain people down the line. But um, yeah, I I, I kind of want to be in that room when the the Christian website is watching this. <laughs> like, you know, oh, what's this new movie we've got? Oh, South Park. Oh, let's let's whack it on. And then like you know, five minutes in, shut your fucking face, Uncle Fucker. Like, my lord, there must have been some holy water used that day. Yes, once again, I quote the review. It is a movie, a movie that comes from the pit of hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Jeez. Time for a re-review. I think that website should, you know, times have changed. Who knows? You know, they might think differently. Yeah, so if you've made it this far through the movie, you'll be okay because it never gets more profane than Uncle Effer five minutes into the movie. <laughs> and so all the kids come out, and, they, and that's the premise of this movie. These kids have never heard swear words before, and they're so inspired by this movie they saw. Now every other word that comes out of their word, their mouth is a F word, S word, B word, whatever, and they're going to go back to school. And this is the problem because now, now this is the in thing in school, that every kid in South Park Elementary is now quoting this movie, and the teachers are horrified. 
And it, I love the way it kind of spreads. I mean, you know, like, as you said before, like everyone's basically now got a T-shirt on the next day. Um, you know, everybody at the ice skating rink basically just like, oh, you saw the Terrence and Phillip movie. And then I just love this exchange that it leads to when Mr. Garrison's teaching and they just start swearing at each other. And is this the bit where there's like, they just keep saying like, fuck, you can't say fuck. And, so, and then Mr. Garrison's just like, Stan, Kyle. And then Kenny just randomly just like, fuck. And it's like, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, okay. So we go back to school. We meet all the kids. All the kids at school love the Terrence and Phillip movie. They start quoting it, except for Gregory, the one kid from England yeah. who who went to Yardale and had a 4.0 Greg point average, and he spent all day skating and laughing and talking of memories past. <laughs> and I love it when Cartman calls him. What is he like? Shut up, you British piece of shit, or something like that, or your French piece of shit. He calls him the, the opposite, doesn't he? But um, just... he calls him a homophobic f word. If you'd like to quote that one. <laughs> yes, no, no, I, I, I'll draw the line at that one. Yeah. But um, yes, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's um, I, and this is the thing because like for people who maybe yeah aren't huge South Park fans or kind of don't know, I mean, Carmen was the star clearly. Like, mm. I mean, he was sort of you know the the Bart Simpson or you know eventually the Homer Simpson of the show. Like, he was the one that people you know were were huge into. So kind of, I mean, he gets some fair share of the fun in this movie, of course. Okay, so the scene that you talked about, they're back in class, and Mr. Garrison hears them all yelling at each other. And I love this. There's a little subtle commentary here where Cartman calls Stan, you effing Jew. And and Mr. Garrison only gets mad because he says the F word, even though the Jew word is probably just as bad. He's like, did you say the F word? And Cartman's like, what, Jew? And so yeah. I just love the little pointing out of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Why is one of those words way worse than the other one? But apparently it is. And is this the the moment, um, or is it later on? Stop me if I'm jumping ahead. Where uh, Miss Garrison says something about like, oh, you know, maybe maybe she's on a period or something, and like, you know, Mister um, Garrison, Wendy believes that was a sexist comment, and it's like, I'm sorry, I don't trust something that bleeds for five days and doesn't die or something like that. I think I've jumped ahead. But, That's later. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. I had no way to fit that into the podcast. I just circled that quote because I love it. It's such a non sequitur. <laughs> it's just it's one of those random moments where it's like this is the thing i think there's so many moments in this movie that just like clearly it's inappropriate and so much stuff that even today i don't think would i don't know how they get away with it um but uh, it does not hold up well uh by today's standards but i mean it's just just random little moments like that as i said at the beginning that i just remember there's one coming up which i think is my favorite quote from the entire movie which is just it's so random but it fucking makes me laugh so much Okay, we'll get to that, because I have about four. I can't decide my favorite quote. Here's here's one that it might be my favorite quote in the movie, where where Cartman screams the F word in class like 10 too many times, and Mr. Garrison says, how would you like to go to the school counselor? And Cartman says, how would you like to suck my balls? <laughs> Mr. What Garrison, did you say? What? So Cartman pulls out a megaphone and just repeats it. How would you like to suck my balls? Uh? <laughs> And just the look of Mr. Garrison's fault. And then he's just standing he's like, dude, this is pretty fucked up. <laughs> like, just... yeah, so the kids are all sent to the counselor's office, Mr. Mackey. And... Okay. Yeah, okay, okay. And here's another line that might be my favorite. Again, I cannot decide. This is like picking a favorite child where Mr. Mackey <laughs> says, where did you heard those? Where did you hear that kind of language? And they try to foist it off on Mr. Garrison. Oh, our, our teacher told us because they don't want to sell out Terrence and Philip. And, and Mr. Mackey reads off a piece of paper. Okay, well, I seriously doubt Mr. Garrison ever said, eat penguin shit, you ass spelunker. 
Oh, I love the way he says it. The kids crack up, and I love it when the mums come in and they he passes a list to to Kyle's mum, and she's like, "What the hell's a rim job?" And then Carmen's mum's like, "Well, that's when you put your legs behind your head and someone eats your ass." <laughs> We're eight minutes into the movie. This is the language you've already gotten out of this. I've never seen a movie that's this dirty. Like, for me, when I was a kid, Eddie Murphy movies were dirty because he says the F word like 50 times. We've already passed that eight minutes into the movie. I was going to say one of my favorite quotes from like a, a South Park one, which I also used, used to use. It was in one of the very first episodes. And um, they keep referring to like they keep calling each other dildos. And there's like carpet at one point. It's like, ah, mom, kitty's been a dildo. And then his mom's just like, well, it looks like a certain kitty kitty will be sleeping with mummy tonight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I, and I, when I was 10, I didn't know what a dildo was. Like, I was exactly the same. Like, carpet, they're just calling everyone a dildo. I didn't know it. That joke went over my head as a 10-year-old. But now it's like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, and the, this is what I want to point out to people. Is like, there was nothing on TV like that prior to this. Like, The Simpsons was considered a dirty show. Like, that was, yeah. when that came out, people were like, oh, Bart Simpson will lead to juvenile delinquency and parents and kids talking back to their parents. Like, we can't have that. This is a bad influence. Like, now compare that to South Park, which is way past what The Simpsons was doing. Oh, hell yeah. Like, I mean, The Simpsons was another show as a kid. I mean, I was younger, clearly, but I, I was not allowed to watch that as a child either because, again, that was a bad show. And you're right. Like, God, South Park just took that up a notch. I mean, we're used to it now. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Family Guy came along, all these other shows. I mean, it's just it's it's commonplace. But, yeah, like, just you did not see. And from animation, that's where people kind of lost their mind. Parents lost their mind because, like, well, animation, automatically, it's kids. There's no such thing as adult animation. And clearly this, you know, set the bar high for for what to expect and what we have now with that with animation yeah for me the big show that was banned in my house was married with children my parents had a crusade against that show because it was way too racy for kids to be watching my dad watched it um and i don't think i was meant to watch it but it was kind of one of those ones where it was sort of you know you would see it from time to time but um no the simpsons and south park i think there was an australian show called fat pizza it's actually the show that rebel wilson started on funnily enough but um her humor hasn't changed by the way she still told the one joke back then as well but um (laughs) yeah it uh they were the three that i can remember that i wasn't allowed to watch Okay, now we're just going to up the uh, up the scale on inappropriateness now where there's a girl at the school that Stan likes named Wendy, and he's trying to figure out a way to impress her. So they go to Chef, played by Isaac Hayes, their mentor, the black chef who they all go to for life advice like Mr. Miyagi. And Stan asks him, how do I get this girl to like me more than anybody else in the world? And Chef's advice to a 10-year-old child is, oh, you got to find the clitoris. <laughs> <laughs> the what? Like, oh, never mind, child. I, I shouldn't have said anything. And this is what Chef is because, like, basically in the show, like every single day, Chef's just like breaking down. So I'm gonna make love to you, woman. Like, just you know, being so inappropriately hilarious. And it's just, it's just because you're not expecting it. Like, you kind of just the way he just drops it. Like, oh, that's easy. You've just got to find the clitoris. It's like the what? <laughs> Oops. Forget <laughs> yeah. I said anything, child. So this is where they announce the new dress code at school because all the kids are loving Terrence and Philip. They're all wearing inappropriate shirts. And so they, the counselor comes over to the school intercom and says, all Terrence and Philip material and merchandise will be banned from school. If you're wearing Terrence and Philip merchandise, you will be sent home immediately. And all the kids are like, yay, because they all get to go home. But this is the, the, the little visual joke I laughed about earlier where 
there's this one little girl, she's carrying a lunch tray, and he says, no more Terrence and Phillips shirts, and she lifts up her lunch tray, and she has a pink shirt, the cutest little shirt, it just says, Cockmaster across the front. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget that's in there. And it's, it's Wendy and Gregory, like the only two that are left basically just sitting there, as everyone's like, hooray, and they just all run home. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Now we get the world news, the newsreel, that apparently Asses of Fire is the number one movie in America, and it shows little clips of kids around the world telling their parents and teachers off. And this kid in, in like a spelling bee in Washington State tells the teacher to F off. He's not spelling a word. And so it's becoming a huge problem to the point where Stan's mom, no, Kyle's mom, Sheila Brozlovsky, I have no idea how to pronounce that last name. I think that's right. Sounds right. Yeah. She has started a crusade that she wants to clean up the language of all these kids in America and stop these evil comedians from spreading their language. And she starts uh, in a, in a uh, mother's group called the Mothers. What's it called? Mothers Against Something. M-A-C. Mothers Against Canada. M-A-C. Is it just M-A-C? I think. Yeah. Mothers Against Canada. And this is where we see her debating the Canadian prime minister on the news, right? <laughs> I think he's like the Canadian minister of of movies. I love how they kind of, you see the little clip and it's like, you know, outraged mother and you've just got Canadian. Um, <laughs> I, my, my dad will quote this to this day. Like when I, when I, I mean, not you need a life story, but you know, the reason I'm in Canada, part of it is I am engaged to a Canadian. And when I, we first started seeing each other, my dad would just always like, you know, around the dinner table, just basically like, Oh, are you still apologizing for Brian Adams? <laughs> and like, and like, what are you talking about? Because she's never seen this movie. Uh, I don't know why I'm still with her. But anyway, uh, because I had this whole moment where it's like, you know, this isn't the first bad thing to come from Canada. Shall I remind you of Brian Adams? Like, oh, no, no, no. We've apologized for Brian Adams on many occasions. <laughs> he just keeps going, can I finish? Can I finish? Okay, I finished. <laughs> I don't know where they got that Canadian, the, the cadence that they use for other Canadian people. Thanks for having me, buddy. <laughs> like, the wobbly head. Yeah. Now, I grew up in Seattle, which is not far from Canada. Like, I, it's way closer to Canada than it is to, like, Mexico. So I always consider myself almost half Canadian because, like, Vancouver and Seattle, I don't even consider that crossing a border. Those are, like, the same city to me. Yeah. So I love Canadian jokes because I love Canada so much. It's so awesome. And there's like nothing to hate about it. And it's so innocent. So I love when a movie just takes digs at Canada for no reason. And this movie is the one of the first ones I can remember really doing that. One of my favorite movies uh, is a movie called Canadian Bacon. I don't know if you, you would have ever seen that one. Mike Moore, his only ever, I think, non-documentary movie mm. he ever directed. And that's basically about, it's, I think it was John Candy's last ever movie. Um, and basically it's like, you know, uh, the American president, you know, he's he's got no popularity, so he has to start a war. and no one, There's no one to go to war with, so he just starts a war with Canada. It's, it's hilarious. So many Canadian jokes. But, um, yeah, I, I like I love this bit when, like, I can't remember what Sheila says, but then like, the way this Canadian goes, you are a racist, ma'am. That is a racist comment. You are a racist. And then, like, even the bit at the beginning of this whole news report when it's like, uh, the Terrence and Phillip movie has taken over the world. And for more information, let's now cross to a midget in a bikini. <laughs> thanks bob yes with the terrence and philip movie taking over the world <laughs> just little random things in this whole news report but uh the brian adams line seriously one of my favorite in this whole movie yeah i have quoted that for years and i always get that i think i get the wording wrong let's see i, I will for our listeners i will uh, read it word for word here where the the, the newscaster says now mr prime minister uh, it, uh, this movie is, is not the most troubling thing to come out of Canada. Let us not forget Brian Adams. 
And the exact <laughs> quote is, now, now, the Canadian government has apologized for Brian Adams on several occasions. So if you need it word for word, that's how it goes. If I, if I ever get the opportunity to interview Trudeau, the first question I'll ever ask him is, uh, Justin, uh, are you still apologizing for Brian Adams? <laughs> this is completely off topic, but if you want to see another movie with a lot of good Canadian jokes, watch Super Troopers 2. I've heard that's good. I, I haven't seen it, but yeah, I, I've heard that's funny. Oh, it was cracking me up. That's all wall-to-wall Canadian jokes, probably even more than this movie. I, and I'm I'm with you. I, I, I've always loved Canada, and I've, I always do appreciate a good sort of, uh, you know, movie tv show that really takes takes digs at it i mean it's just it's it's just fun like this is what i love about sort of the american canadian relationship it's it's very similar to the australian new zealand relationship it's kind of it's what we do we're just like siblings that you know we love each other we have no problems with each other but you're just going to rib each other all the time <laughs> yeah it's america's hat that's what we say yeah <laughs> yeah yeah new zealand's our i don't know our bum bag or something like that you know our, something like that okay so here we go going back to school and now the teachers and the administration are trying to put together a policy to teach the kids not to swear and this is where we get another song which might be the best song in the movie a very underrated one the it's easy mk yeah i'll let you describe this one to people it, it's basically the the song that um these children in therapy, like, you know, let's, let's not swear instead, you know, let's, let's use different words. So instead of, it was like, instead of I say buns, like kiss my buns and you're a buns hole. And basically it just goes out of the way to, you know, use these words instead. It's like, um, in, was it poo? Um, you know, don't, don't use it. in What was the one they say instead of poo? Um, all right. I, I have the whole conversion chart here. Instead of ass say buns, instead of shit, say poo. Instead of the F word, say MK. And instead of bitch, drop the T, because Bic is Latin for generosity. That's right. To this day, I still know how to say generosity in Latin because of this movie. <laughs> the best, the fuck bit's the best bit, because like right at the end when it's like, you know, because they say like, because fuck is the worst word that you can say. Instead, use the word MK. And then at the end when they kind of do the big thing, fuck is the worst word that you can say. Fuck is the worst word that you can say. You shouldn't say fuck, fuck. You shouldn't say fuck, fuck. No. Yes, they repeat it at least 15 times during the part when they say you shouldn't be saying that. And one of the little visual gags I love is when they go over it and the kids are kind of, you know, doing the actions. And it's just like, you know, you could be home, you know, giving hand jobs or cash. And you got little kids doing like jerking motions. But when they're talking about like the poo and it's like, this poo is cold. One of the kids holds up like a little pile of poo. It's just, I don't know why that always makes me laugh. <laughs> Yeah, that that's the sentence. Instead of saying this S is cold, you say this poo is cold. Now, when was that sentence ever going to come up in general conversation? <laughs> but yeah, this whole song just a celebration of profanity and bad taste. I love it. And you got Mr. Mackey singing it in his MK voice. And again, this might be the most underrated song in the movie, this or maybe up there, but we'll get to up there. Step one. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and it's just it's just hilarious because then it sort of like ends with you know like okay, children, you can go home and just have quiet reflection, and then the next minute they're all just sitting watching Terrence and Bill movie again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> right back to the theater. So the the adults uh, methods are having no effect on the children. They're still swearing, and it gets even worse now. Where in, in, the, in the, like the tenth viewing of Terrence and Philip movie, there's a, there's a scene where. Uh, Philip lights a fart on fire, and Cartman and Kenny are debating if that's actually possible. And so, what happens? Cartman dares Kenny to do it. He bets him. Kenny does it, and Kenny accidentally sets himself on fire and kills himself. <laughs> and it's another like this whole bit. Like, there's just so much gold here. Like, I love the bit when like he's on fire and Kenny's like, rah, rah, and then Cartman's trying to put him out with a stick, and he's like, no, 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 and he's like, oh no, this stick is on fire. And then he starts like trying to put the stick out i gotta say on that that hardcore christian movie review website that was a scene they specifically pointed out that they had a problem with that kenny catches on fire another boy tries to put him out with a stick but the stick catches on fire and he's more concerned that the stick is on fire and not his friend and they had a big problem with that moment and of course like the, the really famous thing from south park at the time wasn't it was you know oh my god you killed kenny you bastards uh you know he died in every single episode but the, what's so funny here is like with the, the hospital scene and again i just i love the fact that like they got george clooney you know er fame george clooney at that point to kind of voice a doctor and like this wasn't the first time like george clooney like i love to how south park and i don't know if they still do it but they if they ever got a celebrity you know, on the show to do an actual voice. They would never actually voice a character. Like, George Clooney did a barking dog on an episode of <laughs> South Park. He literally, his, vo his voice was lent to a bark, bark. That was George Clooney. But somehow they've got him to do this. And the potato section, like, it's just, it's like, ah, ah, damn it, damn it, we've got to do this. And then all of a sudden it just goes quiet. Who's baking a potato? <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry, sir, I missed lunch. And then he wakes up, and it's like, Kenny, Kenny, are you okay? I've got some bad news for you, son. We accidentally replaced your heart with a baked potato. You've got about three seconds to live. <laughs> it doesn't get any easier! And then he just walks off. Yeah, this was the thing on South Park at the time for, you know, South Park, oh, the most tasteless show on TV. The biggest thing about the TV show that was tasteless is they would kill Kenny in every episode. And that was like a big deal at the time. And Trey Parker and Matt Stone eventually got sick of it. They're like, this is stupid. I, we don't have to do this in every episode anymore. But here they were still doing it. And Kenny dies. He, he dies in the hospital. His heart explodes because they put the potato in it instead. And then he goes <laughs> plunging down to hell, which is there's a couple things I want to say about this hell sequence. I know you like the song. You mentioned earlier the song they play, but mm -hmm. the special effects when he goes to hell are really cool for a low-budget movie like this. I wasn't expecting it to be so cool looking. Yeah. And the other thing is that when he goes to hell, he sees a bunch of celebrities there. And I love this because South Park loved to take random digs at celebrities for no reason. And when he goes to hell, you see Hitler, you see John Wayne Gacy, and you see Gandhi for some reason. And then, and then you have beloved comedian George Byrne smoking his cigar with his glasses on in hell for some reason. Is he the one who's like, hey, Gracie, fuckface? Is that, is that who that is? He yeah, says, okay. hey, fuckface, have you seen Gracie? Like, <laughs> why is that scene there? It just, that's just Trey Parker and Matt Stone just being jerks and wanting to get a laugh. I, I, I honestly, like, have no idea who that person was. So, like, I just I just love that. And, yeah, it's, it's just rated. Like, yeah, you see freaking Hitler, but then you see Gandhi. And it was, it's like um when he's going back to heaven, you've got, like, these big boobed women. And it's like there's a sign. It's like population, like, 1,000. And then he's like, it's like, you know, little boy at peace. What is this place? And it's like, no. And it's like, down and And, you know, to have, and I think it took years for them to uh, ever get, like, actual confirmation um that that was what's his face from metallica um oh, okay. because yeah because i think like it was always rumored that, that was james hetfield but then i think on the blu-ray 
uh, they they confirmed it, or James Hetfield came out and said like, yeah, that that's me because he's he's uncredited in that song, and I don't, I don't even think that song makes the official soundtrack, but um, yeah, I, I do love that song. Okay, well, just because I think it will get a good laugh from people and you'll enjoy it, I want to explain who George Burns was just so you'll like this joke more. Okay. <laughs> George Burns, very esteemed, famous vaudevillian comic from like the you know 40s, 50s, 60s, and he was married to this woman, Gracie Allen, Burns and Allen. They were a comedy team, and they had one of the most touching love stories of all time. They were married together forever, and then she died, and he stayed single, and he was this old man. He always played God in movies, oh God, because he was so beloved and wise and charming. So when he says, hey, fuckface, have you seen Gracie? That is a horrible joke about a guy whose wife has been dead and he's lived in her memory for many years. So I just thought you'd enjoy that more now. Okay. All right. I, 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 for some reason, I always thought that that was like a, a former U.S. president. I don't know why I thought that. Like, I just, I don't think I went out of my way to look up who that was. And I'm just like, oh, that must be like a former president or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that was Taft, actually. Right, okay, gotcha. Okay, so here we go. Kenny has been banished to hell where the demons will feast on his soul for all eternity. And we are back in South Park now. His life goes on pretty much the same as usual. But here is where we get the song that was nominated for Best Song for the Academy Awards, Blame Canada. So you can explain this one to people. Basically, this is the the Mothers Against Canada group who are kind of, you know, they're basically... Yeah, Canada's terrible. Uh, and then this just leads into Sheila, you know, times have changed, our kids are getting worse. And then it all leads into Blame Canada, which, I mean, I think this and Uncle Fucker are the most catchiest songs. So you, you, mm-hmm. you get these stuck in your head. And this is still something that, you know, I, I as an Australian, oh, moving to Canada, ah, oh, ha, ha, Blame Canada, Blame. Like, it's something that people will still sing. I think a lot of Australians actually think it's uh, Canada's national anthem, funnily enough. But um, I just, I love all, like, the references in here. Like, I love that bit where that one person is like, it's not even a real country anyway. Um, and like, burning stuff and they're like, what, like Alanis Morissette CDs and things like that. They're, they're marching down the street with uh, like a, a circle with an X on it across a maple leaf. Um, and I love the way it kind of, like, leads into, like, Sheila holding up a front page article of Terrence and Philip to appear in the Conan O'Brien show <laughs> like how slow was news in South Park back in the day that this was a front page story uh. yeah Conan O'Brien was not a big name at the time this is funny that they used Conan because he was like still a failed talk show at that point yeah and it's it's actually really funny because um I, I I saw that they did an interview uh, with Conan, uh, I don't know if it was for this movie or several years later, and, and they brought this fact up that ultimately they made Conan O'Brien kill himself. And uh, Conan O'Brien apparently loved it. Because as you said before, like, kind of, this is South Park's stick. They, one of the many, they, they got celebrities and they just absolutely ripped into them. Like, they just did not hold back. And this is just so random that just like, hey, let's kill off Conan O'Brien and he kills himself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, for people who have not seen the movie, yeah, what happens is Terrence and Phillips show up on Conan O'Brien's talk show, who, again, that would not have been a hot booking at the time. Nobody cared about Conan his first two years, and they are a guest, and Conan sells them out. Conan, they're like, you know, we could be arrested for, you know, inciting the youth of America, and Conan's like, oh, that's interesting. Come on in, boys, and Conan is called all the army troops to arrest them. So Conan sells out Terrence and Philip. They're arrested, thrown in U.S. military jail. And Conan feels horrible because Terrence and Philip are like, you sold us out. You loved us, Conan. They call him Conan. And then Conan jumps out of a window and plunges to his death in Manhattan. So... (laughs) 
<laughs> this is maybe my favorite moment in the whole movie here is there's Terrence Phillip come in. They're sitting next to Brooke Shields, who, funnily enough, is voiced by Mini Driver, of all people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it here when they start farting. And then Mini Driver, uh, I'm saying a name now, Brooke Shields is like, I farted once on the set of Blue Lagoon. <laughs> and it's just this awkward silence. And then Terrence or Philip just slap her. <laughs> yeah, no, just no reason to have a dig at Brooke Shields. I just wanted to make her as stupid as possible. <laughs> I used to say, I farted once on the set of Blue Lagoon. And every, again, every time I see the movie, Blue Lagoon is on TV, I'm in a shop, or whatever, automatically I'm just like, I farted on the set of Blue Lagoon. <laughs> when you watch Blue Lagoon, are you looking for the scene where she farts? You're looking for the bubbles coming up under the water? Yeah, it's not about the nudity for me anymore. It's literally about her bubbles coming from her butt. That's it. <laughs> I'm glad that's another line I circled in here. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to fit that into the podcast. <laughs> I just love it so much. <laughs> I farted once on the set of Blue Lagoon. Okay, so Terrence and Philip have been arrested and Conan O'Brien sold them out and all hell's going to break loose now because we go to the United Nations and it's basically <laughs> every country against Canada where they're mocking the Canadian ambassador. <laughs> what is it? The Canadian ambassador just says, hey, fuck you, buddy. And they're all like just cursing him out. And he pulls out a little graph. You know, Terrence and Philip movies are 40% of the national economy of Canada. We must have them reinstated or we will all go fall into a collapse. <laughs> and you said it before, like this American guy, they kind of, you know, what does America have to say to that? This guy's just kind of like, uh, uh, fuck Canada. <laughs> Which I have to say, as a non-American, that's, that's how I would imagine that's how this would go down at the United Nations. <laughs> that is exactly. Like, I love Canada and most Americans do, but we do not take Canada seriously as any type of threat. Like, come on, fuck Canada. Like, that's exactly how that would go. <laughs> And the whole boot thing, you know, like, this is, this is a boot democracy. This is a boot. And everyone's just cracking up. What are you laughing about? Now, you're in Canada now. I have heard Canadians don't say a boot. They say a boat. Is that correct? That, it's, it's like, it's an, almost like a boat. It's like, there's definitely, it's there. It's not every time, but uh, I, will, I will mock, you know, Mallory, my, my fiance, I will mock her mother. Like, because they do say it. They literally go like, a boot. So I will repeat it to them. I'm like, what was that, a boot? Like, it's, it's, it's funny, but, I mean, you know, there's Australian words that they mock me for, uh, American words. I mean, I don't know if you have words, do you? You, you just, you're Americans, you, all your words are the same, right? <laughs> we just grunt and eat meat. That's all we do. Yeah, <laughs> grunt and eat meat. That's, you're right. That's exactly right. But, uh, no, that, it's, it's more like a, a boot that they say. <laughs> this is not a boot diplomacy. This is a boot dignity. <laughs> this is a boot respect. And everybody, yeah, I, I, even I remember in the theater, I saw this movie like three times in the theater. I would always laugh at that whole a boot section because everyone's just giggling. <laughs> and then we, we finished with the we finished with the ultimate Canadian retort. You guys are dicks. Yeah. <laughs> to which their response is, let's bomb the bald ones. <laughs> This is how war starts, right? This, this, this is this is how I can imagine, uh, you know, the other month when Iran was really pissed off at you guys. Like they were this close to bombing the Baldwins. Yes. So in this movie, the Canadians will escalate the violence by bombing the Baldwins, and then later they will bomb the Arquettes. <laughs> but there's a, like you said, there's lots of little lines, non sequiturs that you love. This is one that I love where the Baldwins are sitting around their mansion, and one of them says, "Hey, Alec, you know what sucks about being a Baldwin? What?" Nothing! <laughs> and they get bombed. 
And I love it too, like when they when they had the scene in a moment where kind of like the kids are called into the assembly and you've got Bill Clinton doing the address and everyone's like, War? I don't want to go to war. And Mr. Garrison's like, Oh, the Baldwins are dead. <laughs> So things are escalating quickly towards war. The Canadians have assassinated the Baldwins, and the U.S. have, have arrested Terrence and Philip. And now the U.S. says they're going to execute Terrence and Philip as war criminals, and it's going to lead to an all-out war with Canada. And this is where the kids say, oh, no, how could this get any worse? And now it's going to get worse because now we're going to shift the action down to hell for a while. Yeah, and I, I do love kind of like the, the Clinton moment where somehow like Sheila's like taken over. Like, what is she like? The the minister of, and he doesn't say defense. He says like the minister of offense or something. I think offense because she's offended. She's the minister of offense. That's right. Yeah. And then I love how she's like, you know, yelling and screaming. And then like Clinton's like, I've got a plan. And she just like shoves him out of the way. <laughs> So, yeah, so in 1999, the idea of American fighting a war again, of the, the idea of America fighting a war against Canada was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen in a movie. Because, again, Canada is so innocent, and America and Canada is such a, a tight, innocent little brother, big brother, little brother bond. It just would have been fairly hilarious. But, yeah, this is where we're going. And we go into hell, and this is where we see the dysfunctional relationship between Saddam Hussein and Satan. Which again is absolutely hilarious and you talked about like the special effects before it's kind of cool little things that you've got going on in the background here because you've kind of got this 2d animation but then you've kind of almost got these 3d models of like demons and everything in the background mm. which kind of looks cool but yeah i love sort of certain like you know bow down to me you will be tortured forever and then all of a like hey buddy oh i love it when you start doing that yes yes rub my nipples as i pull this <laughs> Satan, why do you have to, uh, Saddam, why do you have to, you know, make fun of me when I'm doing my job? <laughs> Those are great voices. Those are perfect. That's Saddam voices. I'm glad somebody can do one on this podcast. Yeah, well, you, I've been practicing just for this. That was that was part of my entry into Canada to do this episode. Was like, can you impersonate Saddam Hussein from South Park? Okay, you're in. Welcome. Well, he does sound a little Canadian in the show because they have him say, hey, buddy. So <laughs> was that their subtle dig that Saddam is actually a closet Canadian? Well, I, I mean, that was in the uh, Not Without My Anus episode. They had Saddam Hussein in that. And, like, it's, it is interesting how they kind of also have him having, like, the wobbly head thing because they did that, I think, with Mel Gibson at one point when they did the Mel Gibson episode. Um, I think they've done it with some others. So maybe that's just, you know, their way of, like, we hate the Canadians, we hate Saddam, we hate Mel Gibson, so we're going to give them the wobbly head thing. <laughs> And again, I cannot overstate enough that Saddam Hussein was still alive at the time. Yes. And probably saw yes. this. and. And, and pre-Bin Laden, too. This is pre-9-11, so I'm like, he probably what would have been the most hated man in America, I'm guessing, at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's why he's in the movie. They're just taking digs at him. But yeah, I'm sure I would have loved to see Saddam Hussein watch this movie and what he thought of it. That would have been fun to see. Well, they uh, there, there was a rumor that during when he was captured in Iraq before he got executed that American soldiers uh, allegedly made him watch this as torture. And apparently <laughs> Matt Stone and Trey Parker actually have a signed photo from Saddam Hussein that American soldiers got for them uh, <laughs> when they had him in in, uh, in prison. So uh, I would love to see that photo, if that exists, of this signed poster or photo of Saddam Hussein on the wall of Matt Stone and Trey Parker's office. I hope he's holding the realistic-looking dildo and saying, Hey, Matt! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm kidding! Oh, what about this one? Who's my cream puff? <laughs> yeah, so that's the relationship between Saddam Hussein and Satan, is that they are... 
gay lovers, apparently. And Saddam, despite being one-tenth the size of Satan, is the top, and Satan is the bottom. <laughs> so, and we will get more descriptions of their sex life later, which are hor- horrible. I almost feel bad after I repeat the Liza Minnelli joke, but I will when we get there. <laughs> It was it like even that bit where they kind of like they turn the lights off and you hear that like and he's like oh and it's like that's my bitch or something like that. yes <laughs> so wrong <laughs> yeah <laughs> and what does he say like you know like Saddam why do you make love to me from behind do you pretend I'm someone else and it's like hey your ass is big and red who else is there to pretend and is that the Liza Minnelli one isn't it that's like, the Liza Minnelli, Minnelli. Yeah. that that is yeah. a horrible comment to make about a middle aged woman. <laughs> Your, your ass is gigantic and red. Who am I going to think you are? Liza Minnelli. <laughs> what the hell? Where'd that come from? Oh, I'd love to get, like, Liza Minnelli, Barbara Streisand's opinion of South Park. I'm sure it wouldn't be the best. No. <laughs> okay, so we go back up to Earth, and this is the part where Cartman is telling Kyle, you need to stand up to your mother. Your mother is the secretary of offense or offense. You know, she's walking all over you. She's setting rules. She arrested Terrence and Philip. You need to stand up to her. And this is where we get the another one of the most famous songs in the movie, a where Cartman is going to sing a song of encouragement to his friend to cheer him up and teach him to stand up to his mom. Now, Ben, what would the name of that song be? That song, Mario, would be called Carl's Mom's a Bitch. Uh, she's nothing but a big fat bitch. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure they had used this in the show uh, before this moment, but they kind of turn this up to 11 here where they sort of do like, oh, the kids around the world, it sings a little bit like this. And I, I'm not going to impersonate the, the you know, stereotypes that they use in this, but like, what do you get, like a Dutch group, like a French group, like a somewhere in Asia and somewhere in Africa group? I'm just like, it's so wrong, but it's just hilarious. And then I, I love, like, the big show tunes into it, like the Broadway, like, I really mean it, cause mom is a big, fat, stupid bitch. And then, like, does this dance, and there she is standing right behind him, and he's just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> yes. He ends the song with jazz hands. And at one point, I should point out, Cartman also dances in blackface with Native Africans. Yes. So, yes, it, yeah, yes. this once again, Trey Parker and Matt Stone crossing the line what they can get away with. But this is a another song that people would have remembered from the movie. Kyle's mom's a bitch. When, when Kyle's mom hears that he's singing the song and she catches him, now we get one of the funniest scenes in the movie where Cartman has a V-chip implanted into his brain that does not allow him to swear anymore. With Eric Idle, too. A few, you know, cool little uh, celebrity cameos in this. But this is another moment my friend and I used to always do. Like, when he gets here and he, he's like, you know, oh, we've put a V-chip in him and this will make him not say naughty words. So he's, he's just, like, going through words like, donkey, Montana. It's like, horse fucker. And it's like, Horse fucker. It's like, ah, ah. It's like, big floppy donkey dick. Like, we always say that. It's like, no, I don't want to say it. See, the child doesn't want to swear anymore. Yeah, this scene, even if you don't like South Park, if you don't, if you think it's probably too profane for you, this scene will make you laugh just because Cartman's screaming repeatedly. It's, every time he swears, you get the shock in his brain, and he screams and swears again and then gets shocked again. 
And it just repeats over and over. Although I have to say, just for people that listen to my other podcast, is on Survivor Historians, I reference the state Montana a lot because my friend, my co-host Paul is from there. And I, I, yeah. I try to say it like this movie. I always try to say it like Cartman, Montana. Like, <laughs> I, I thought of you when I saw this. I'm like, hey, Mario's going to love that bit. That's right. That's where I started doing that because I just love that they randomly use that word as a benign word for Cartman to use to prove that it's not a swear word. Montana. <laughs> I would have laughed if they actually made him like get shocked at that one. Like, ah, Montana. Ah! <laughs> okay, so Cartman has been implanted with a V-chip and he will not be allowed to swear for the rest of the movie, which this is like kryptonite taking away superman's powers cartman not being able to swear is horrible yeah and it's i love the way they kind of play up to that i mean obviously it's going to become a big point in the movie when it does that but it's just it is funny because i love it when like stan and that rip into him and it's like you know what, what do you mean my bums because what is he at one point like oh my bum is really sore it's like your bum no ass Which ass is mean, the one ass yeah 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 Okay, so let's hurry through, because one of my complaints, I don't have a lot of complaints with this movie, but I do feel it runs out of steam at a certain point. Like, about the last 20 minutes, I kind of lose interest sometimes. It goes by very quickly. Like, and like it, it kind of, it, it does go by very quickly. And I think I used to have a copy of this where the last, like, 15, 20 minutes maybe did cut out, mm -hmm. because I always kind of like the ending always seems a bit weird, but it, it kind of does get to a point where it just kind of almost ends suddenly, and it's kind of, oh, okay, it's over. All right, then. <laughs> See, I, I, I marked the cutoff point as the La Resistance, the medley song, which is pretty good. I know you didn't like it, but it's very catchy. After that La Resistance song, it's like the last 20 minutes is just the war. So I kind of I kind of zoned through it because there aren't any good songs at the end after that. Mm, except for the, the credit song. Of course. The, yeah. the DVDA, you know, Brian Boitano remix or whatever it is. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let's get to the end here. So so uh, we get war reels. We get her to find out the Canadians have bombed the Arquettes. And Canadians are now being rounded up and thrown into death camps. And they say, I'm sorry. Did you mean death camps? <laughs> I meant happy camps, where they dig their own graves. I love that. I'm sorry, did I say death camps? I meant happy camps. <laughs> so the kids are trying to stop their moms. They don't want Terrence and Philip to get executed. They're trying to think, how are we going to do this? How are we going to band together? And this is where we get one of the other big famous songs in this movie. Again, there's so many big songs that came out of this. This is the What Would Brian Boitano Do song. Boitano do if he was here right now. He'd make a plan and he'd follow through. That's what Brian Boitano do. When Brian Boitano was in the Olympics skating for the gold, he did two stout cows and a triple lutz while wearing a blindfold. When Brian Boitano was in the Alps fighting grizzly bears, he used his magical fire breath and saved the maiden's bears. So what would Brian Boitano do? <laughs> oh, this is hilarious. Like, again, uh, as a you know, whatever age I was, I was, I had no clue who Brian Boitano was. I do now because I had to look him up. So I'm like, hey, there we go. And um, I, one of the most random moments I love in this bit is like when it's like, uh, did you say my name? It's like, who are you? I'm Brian Dennehy. <laughs> it's like, no, fuck off. Okay, bye. Uh, and didn't, didn't he die recently? Because I remember when he died, I'm like, hey, it's Brian Denny from the South Park movie. Yeah, he just died recently. That's the first thing I thought of was, oh, that Brian Boitano song. He makes that weird cameo in there. Yeah, it's so funny, but I just love that the the over the top things they like, you know, uh, that he was what like going back to the year three thousand ten and he's fighting to save the human race again and just like random shit like that. 
I like the song. This song has a very unique style compared to the other songs in the movie. It's a like almost like an action montage song. But yep. Brian Boitano apparently has superpowers where he can throw, yes. shoot fire, and he can fight laser like he can fire laser beams out of his eyes, and he fights the Kublai Khan and stuff. And I was reading. I have the backstory on this. I I didn't know this that they originally had what would Brian Boitano do in their original very first pilot episode, like the Christmas story or whatever. Yep. Jesus versus uh, Santa or whatever it was, yeah. Okay, so this was a callback to that, and apparently Brian Boitano could not figure out why they used him. They're like, are they taking digs at me? Do they hate? Like, he could never figure out why they used his likeness. Have you heard this story? I I I've read bits of it, but uh, I, I yeah, I don't I don't know that part of the story. No. Here's a good bit of trivia. So. They did not need his permission to use his face or name in this movie. But when Brian Boitano started playing that song at his events, he had to get their permission. (laughs) (laughs) And then a couple years later, he came out with a cooking show called What Would Brian Boitano Cook? And they had to he had to get their permission to use his name again. So (laughs) so he just eventually just rolled with it. They put his name on the map in Australia. I mean, come on, like we're not going to know some random figure skater dude who won an Olympic gold medal from the States. Like we struggle to remember our own Winter Olympians, let alone America's. So, I mean, come on, like he's famous now thanks to this movie. But I will say he eventually rolled with it and just went with it. But at the start, he was very confused why he was getting picked on. (laughs) Which was he, is he a, like, is, was he a big deal in the States? Like, was he a big name? I mean, he was a big name, but there was a lot of big name ice skaters. I just remember him looking like Balky from Perfect Strangers. <laughs> I'm like, that's the same dude, isn't it? I think he was, wasn't he one of the cameo judges or something in Blades of Glory? Because I think when I saw them, I'm like, hey, it's Brian Boitano from South Park movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that's him. Although, oh, one thing I wanted to point out in this, what would Brian Boitano do song? If you look closely, Cartman is not in this, the parts of the song where they swear. They actually have continuity because he has the V chip, he can't swear. So there's a couple lines in the song where they swear, but Cartman is off, just off camera to the right, and then he joins them right after that word. It's kind of cool. Because he... I haven't noticed that before. I mean, I do like that little moment where he's kind of like, I want this V-chip out of me. And he's like kind of got his little solo in the middle of it. But yeah. Okay. So we're going to race through this last section here. So we go back down to hell. Okay. Well, wait, wait. So the kids have determined the way they're going to stop their moms. All the kids in town are going to band together to try to save Terrence and Philip. We go down in hell and we find out there is a little expediency here because Satan and Saddam Hussein in the middle of their wild sex orgy. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that if the minute someone up on Earth, like a Canadian, spills blood on American soil, Satan can return to Earth. That's like the seventh sign, and he can take over the world. So it's like a big deal, and Kenny is going to find this out, and he's going to warn his friends. This is a big deal. You must not let Terrence and Philip die. And I just I love the randomness with the way they kind of switch between, like, you know, evil Satan, like, finally the prophecy has revealed itself. And then just, like, the way he kind of, like, cuts between his, like, super evil voice. And then, like, Shadam, stop, like, talking down to me. Because, like, Saddam's in bed, like, going, ah, ah, buddy, I love it when you talk so biblical to me. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, you could write a book just on Saddam and Satan's relationship in this movie. Very inappropriate, but it's funny. Although now we're going to get one of the most inappropriate scenes in this movie, which never fails to make me laugh. And I always forget this is like the last really funny scene in the movie where the kids are on the computer and they're trying to look up how to rally all the kids together in town. And Stan says, why don't you Google clitoris and find out what that is first? (laughs) And in the process of doing that, they end up on a German Scheissen video. (laughs) Which the the less said about that, the better. Let's just say it involves bodily fluids being inserted 
or dumped onto Cartman's mother. <laughs> they, they watch this German Scheisse video where they're just their eyes are wide and they're horrified. Well, you in the background you just hear a German guy saying, "Essa mein Scheisse." <laughs> the funniest bit though is like when they first like go onto it. And it's like, dude, it's some German guy pooing on a woman, and it's like, is it Cartman's mom? Oh, shut the fuck up, dude. Wait, it is Cartman's mom. <laughs> I love that we get to this whole weird, inappropriate Shisa video scene. At the end, I think it's Stan just says, dude, what the fuck is wrong with German people? <laughs> and that leads to another one of my funny lines later on when it's like Cartman's in bed and he's like, mom, if you're in a German Shisa video, you tell me, right? And she's just like, sure, hon. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, people don't know this is a running subplot in South Park that at uh, Cartman's mom was a huge slut, and nobody knew who his father was because she'd been with so many guys. This was a continuation of that into the movie. And I, I won't spoil the reveal of her father if you uh, want to watch it yourself, but uh, it was the way they ended up revealing it, it. Yeah, it was interesting. Okay, so here we go towards the end of the movie here where uh, uh, Kenny, the ghost of Kenny, comes up and tells Cartman, you, you must not let this blood spill. It'll lead to Satan coming back and taking over the world. And now we get Saddam and Satan planning for their big return to Earth when Terrence and Philip are killed. And Saddam wants to have sex to celebrate. And this is where we get the line that you quoted earlier. <laughs> How come you always want to make love to me from behind? <laughs> Who do I think you are, Liza Minnelli? <laughs> <laughs> and so Satan is all bummed that his lover is not treating him with respect. And this is where he goes out and sings the song that both Ben and I named as our favorite, most underrated song in the movie, the Little Mermaid parody up there. Oh, uh, it's so good. And I like even just like little sight gags in this whole bit, you've got like the guys getting tortured hanging in the background. They're like the choir, like going like ooh, ooh, ooh. And then what what is the, the boat? It's like the SS manhandle or something like that. <laughs> yes, it's Satan's it's Satan's dream. It's like a cruise of shirtless men to fawn over him. And they're like the most stereotypical, like animated, like gay men, like with big handlebar mustaches splashing each other. He's got like a rainbow flag hang glider with seagulls. <laughs> and, uh, the way he like does his big like bit at the end when he's like, ah! he's like hanging on a rock and he's like looking up into like this ball of fire from the earth. Oh, it's so good. I do. Yes, I do. I'm glad you pointed out. I do love Satan hang gliding on a gay pride hang glider. <laughs> This is his vision of paradise. And again, this is all in the style of The Little Mermaid. It's like a Disney song. And it's so beautiful, but it's so horrible because it's just Satan talking about how he wants to take over the world. <laughs> they say I don't belong. I must stay below, alone. Because of my beliefs, I'm supposed to stay where evil is sown. And it's and again, it's the only song in this movie that has no profanity in it. Like they could have submitted this to the Academy Awards and you know maybe gotten somebody else bigger than Robin Williams. I mean, who would have you gotten that? But I mean, it's kind of interesting that this is the one song without any swearing in it. I think they should have had Celine Dion sing "Uncle Fucker" at the Oscars. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> in her weird little Canadian accent, would have been adorable. Uncle Fucker. I can't do a Celine Dion. I tried. <laughs> okay, so. 
So we have all the kids. The kids all meet up in a clubhouse, and they promise punch and pie. And, and punch and pie. <laughs> and Gregory shows up. And again, I kind of lose interest in the last part of this movie. I don't really care about any of this law resistance stuff. But the takeaway is the punch and pie quote, which I always quote, punch and pie. Any, anytime you want people to come to a meeting or a gathering, just write dot, 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 punch and pie at the end, and it will get more people. <laughs> and that one kid who puts his hand up, it's like, excuse me, I was told there would be punch and pie. There isn't any punch of pie. They just leave. <laughs> yeah. And so here we go. The kids have formed La Resistance with this Gregory kid, and they're going to recruit this other kid named the Mole. And I, I couldn't care less about most of this. But we do get this medley song, which is the last great song, I think, in the movie, where they basically sum up where everyone's stance is in the movie. We have Blame Canada. We have Up There. We have Uncle Effer. All the songs in the movie, what would Brian Boitano do? I think they're all reprised here in this really cool medley, much like uh, Les Miserables. Yeah, it's, yeah, as I said before, like, La Resistance is kind of my least favorite one, but again, it's sort of, you hear it and you're like, okay, this isn't that bad, okay, I like it, but I do like the medley bit when it's kind of, and especially when you've got, like, that bit when it's like, tomorrow night, the tides will change, tomorrow night, an execution, and, like, just things like that, and I just really want to quickly mention, backtracking to that, the um the video, the war video, the March of War mm-hmm. one, when, when they're just, like, when Bill Clinton's, like, declaring war on Canada, and you've got him, like, shaking hands with a smiling Canadian Prime Minister, like, we declare war on you, since Sincerely, the United States, <laughs> and it's like, it, and it's like, brought to you by Smacky S'mores with a massive, uh, massive USO show featuring celebrities and Winona Ryder. <laughs> okay, let's get to this USO show at the end. Oh, it's so good. Okay, so there's a huge USO show for all the soldiers, and at the end, Terrence and Philip are getting executed. And leading up to that, we get the war plans where the military generals talking about ah. how the war with Canada is going to go, where they have the incredibly racist strategy called, uh, I can't believe I'm even quoting this, Operation Human Shield, where all the blacks stand in front of all the whites, and the whites stand in behind them in what's known as Operation Get Behind the Darkies. <laughs> Which, it's it's so wrong. But, like, what did, what does Chef say when he's like, have you ever heard of the, uh, the what is it? I, I don't know what it is, the Emancipation? Yeah, Chef is mad that all the blacks have to go in front of all the whites. And he's like, have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? And the general says, I don't listen to hip-hop. <laughs> and I also, like, love the, the, the little subtle moment afterwards where, the, like, the, the computer doesn't work or something like that. He's like, fucking Windows 98. Get through, get in here. <laughs> you told us. Windows 98 would be faster, with better access to the internet. Well, yes, you're right. It is faster. It just shoots him in the head and moves on. I have to say, Bill Gates was so disliked in the late 90s because of all the uh, monopoly, all the lawsuits against Windows or Microsoft. <laughs> when Bill Gates gets shot in this movie, the audience applauded every time I watched it. 
Oh, it's it's so funny. It's just I don't know why that is so funny, but I just I cannot stop laughing whenever I see that scene. Okay, so here we go. The movie will limp to a finish here, but we go. We have the ESO, the USO show, and they're getting ready to come up to Saddam and Satan are getting ready to come up to Earth to take over, and and Saddam sings "I Can Change." Which is, it, it's a catchy enough song, but it's kind of, it's not one of the stronger songs in the movie. Although, we do see animated Saddam Hussein breakdancing, which is a first. Yeah. Yep. We always wanted to see that. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind this song. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of okay, but I always forget about it. Like, I, I literally, this is the one song where I'm like, oh, right, yeah, this song, we haven't seen this yet. The one line I always remember, again, I, I hadn't listened to this song in years or seen this movie in years, but I always remember Satan saying... Now what if you remain a sandy little butthole? <laughs> yeah. I always remember that line for some reason. <laughs> you used to call my friend a sandy little butthole, funnily enough. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now we get to the end, the USO show, where there's a backflipping dog, and there's Winona Ryder doing her <laughs> ping-pong ball trick, where she <laughs> it looks like she's shooting ping-pong balls out of her nooner, but she's actually hitting them with a... I, I'm surprised they pulled back on that joke. That does not seem like a joke they'd normally pull their punches on, but they did on that one. It's just one of these, it's almost like a Brooke Shields random moment. Just I love the way they're like, and here's indie starlet Winona Ryder. And she's like, hey guys, love being here. War. I mean, yeah. Now, here's my famous ping pong ball trick. <laughs> Let's take down Winona Ryder. <laughs> and this was pre, pre Winona. Like she didn't, she hadn't stolen shit yet. So she was still locked back then, wasn't she? Yeah, there was no reason to hate her yet. They're just taking digs at someone famous. Yep, yep. Okay, so the kids sneak in, they free Terrence and Philip, and uh, what else happens here? Oh, there's a song. Sorry, I forgot Big Gay, Big Gay Al has a song. Uh, I'm super, thanks for asking. Which I think was also, again, from the show. I think that had been used on the show once. But I just, I love the way it kind of, like, starts, because they're having to basically get into stall for time while they're trying to still, uh, you know, break Terrence and Philip free. So I love the way they're kind of like, uh, is it Stan in the crowd? Like, we want a song! And he's like, oh, well, I haven't rehearsed. And he's like, okay! And then he's just like, bombs are flying, people are dying, the world is going to hell, but how are you? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I forgot. That song's actually pretty catchy. I like that one. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, the, and then we get the one message here at the end where Sheila's getting ready to execute Terrence and Philip, and she basically quotes the premise of the movie. Remember what the MPAA said, horrific violence is okay as long as there are no naughty words, and everybody cheers. And that's really <laughs> Trey Parker and Matt Stone's message to the audience. Like, why is swearing that bad when we can show violence? Like, why don't, we don't get why one's any worse than the other. And they make a good point, to be honest. Yeah, it, it, and it's it's kind of... I mean, you're right. It is a very good point. And it just, it, you know, obviously that's going to come back sort of towards the end when everyone's literally getting their brains blown out and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's just, I love, I do actually kind of like some of the mole stuff here as well. This guy is like, you know, this nine year old who chain smokes and he's basically like, I've been grounded because I said God was a motherfucker. Uh, and all this sort of stuff. And I love it when he's doing the plan and he's like saying, like, Cartman, you go turn off the alarm. I'm going to dig a hole. If you're in trouble, make the sound of a, a dying giraffe. I'm like, what is the sound of a dying? Mwah, mwah. And I love, like, later on when they have to make that sound and those soldiers are like, hey, this sounds like a dying giraffe over there. <laughs> I, I will say, the mole, there's one line I always remember from the mole. He's like, you do realize if we are caught committing treason, we could be grounded for two, maybe three weeks. <laughs> 
And the guard dog's line, where it's like, they will send guard dogs after me, and I fucking hate guard dogs! Do you hear me? I fucking hate guard dogs! Yeah, so, tying it all together, basically, Cartman frees Terrence and Philip, and he somehow sets off the electric chair they were going to be killed on. It, it screws up his V-chip somehow, that now when he swears, instead of him getting shocked, now lightning bolts shoot out of his fingers, which, again, I've seen this movie so many times, I always forget that's how this movie ends, because that's how much I've checked out by the end. But he's got the superpower now where he swears, he can shoot lightning bolts, Saddam Hussein and Satan show up, Cartman starts zapping everyone by swearing, and he basically stops the war and frees Terrence and Philip and saves the world. Although, I should point out, the ultimate swear word he says at the end to get the multiple, the maximum uh, power on his lightning, do you know what that swear word is? is? Is that what he says, Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand is his ultimate swear word, that's the killer word. So funny. I just, and it's just, this is where they go absolutely to town on Cartman, and he just, yeah, can absolutely let rip with all these swear words. And just Barbara Streisand is the ultimate one there. And I think I read that for the UK release, they actually tried to lump the C word in there because apparently they wanted to really push the British censors there. And I, I think they must have added it. And then that was not long after the British censorship board had actually relaxed the rules around the C word. So it was kind of, they actually didn't achieve what they were trying to achieve but it's actually funny of all the words used in this movie that's the one word that i'm surprised you didn't hear yeah well i just i just read that this morning i want to clarify that and people because people didn't catch what you just said yeah they they got the ends of the r rating in every country they were trying to for this movie but they could not get the multiple the highest language restriction in england it would they could not because it wasn't considered profane enough for the uk censors so they said what word can we throw in there that would raise it to that highest level and they said well the c word so if you listen in this scene, they specifically threw in the C word just so they could get the maximum rating in every country. You know, it's actually really funny. I should have mentioned that in Australia, this actually this movie was rela- uh, rated for children because, again, not enough swearing in it for Australians to be worried about. Wow, that's terrible. So, wow. So what would be too inappropriate for Australians? Oh, um, I mean, we in in many parts of the country use the c word as a term of endearment so um that is that is actually true and it, i mean it's funny like i don't mind that word I, I i know a lot of people who don't but um i've maybe used that word three or four times in my podcast and i always feel bad for saying it and i, I again i don't care for the word like it's, it's just a word to me but i know that's one word that people can get quite offended with but yeah certain parts of australia you go there c word is in a in a hey C word, how you doing? That's that's normal. So, yeah, I don't know. I really don't know what is an offensive word in Australia. Uh, Kerry-Anne Kennelly, as I said before. Um, New Zealand, uh, Jacinda Ardern, offensive words to Australians. There you go. So it, is Flight of the Concords allowed in Australia? Uh, only between the hours of like 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. Uh, and it's got to be heavily, uh, you know, censored, uh, to, to really, cause we hear New Zealanders talk and that's not English. That's, that's English. So yeah, I lived there for 18 months. You know, how do you think I felt listening to them talk? I had a New Zealander on my Demolition Man podcast and all he did was fling Australian insults the whole episode. So you're perfectly fair within your rights to do this. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, them hurling Australian insults would be probably quite embarrassing. So on behalf of uh, the nation of Australia, I apologise for New Zealand trying to make jokes. Yes. Yes, that's correct. 
Okay, so, and that's the end of the movie. Cartman has saved everyone with his swearing, and everyone has learned their lessons. Saddam is killed, he's impaled. Satan has learned his lesson, he becomes good and goes back down. And I think everybody who died in this movie comes back to life somehow. It's like Superman, where the, he flies back around the earth backwards or something, everything gets reversed. But it's a very abrupt, happy ending, and really that's the end of the movie. Everybody learned their lesson. And I think he's in Kenny because he died before it all happened. Um, he survives, and you see his face for the first time. That's that was, and he's voiced by the one of the people who uh, created, or the person who created Beavis and Butthead, I believe. Yeah, as well. that's Mike. Jo- oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, at the end of the movie, Kenny reveals his. He pulls off his hood and reveals his face. He's blonde. You see his face for the first time, and that was the first time in South Park history you'd ever seen Kenny. And I remember Trey Parker and Matt Stone saying it was almost emotional doing that because. That was the first time they'd given birth to this character who had just been, you know, a myth for all these years. And you saw his face. And I remember Trey Parker saying, like, he actually teared up the first time he saw that because it was, like, touching for him. And I was like, the one bit, too, that I randomly love as well, which is funny, is when Stan gets knocked out and he speaks to the clitoris. And it's just this giant red lump. It's like, Stanley, you must do this. <laughs> yes. The fairy godmother voice, yes. Yes, like the clitoris. Oh, Stanley! <laughs> now, that wasn't Minnie Driver, right? That was the lady who does all the voices, I think. That's probably Brooke Shields, actually. That. <laughs> <laughs> One time I farted on the Blue Lagoon. <laughs> Slap. <laughs> so with that, we have done complete coverage of the 81-minute profane masterpiece, South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which... As Matt Stone pointed out, you know, the MPAA gave us so much crap about this movie, they had no clue that the title is actually a circumcision reference, and nobody ever even noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the title they wanted originally was like, Straight from Hell, or it had Hell in it, I think, and they said that the MPAA wouldn't let them have it because Hell was a bad word, and I think they came out later, the MPAA, and said, no, that's not true, you know, you had, like, Hellboy in movies like that, but it is hilarious that if that is true, that they've gone with bigger, longer, uncut, and they haven't picked up on the fact of uh, what that is actually trying to imply. Yeah, and again, this was a big movie for its time. Maybe my favorite movie of my favorite year in movie history, 99. This was a big deal. It made me laugh so hard. I remember owning the soundtrack. I would play it endlessly. It was a big deal. You know, it really catapulted South Park into a lot of legitimacy. It kind of gained it a, a new audience that it might not have had before. And again, the show got more profane. I think the show got far more clever in its later years. So this movie might have had something to do with that. It may have just flamed out if it had stayed that same show. But yeah, it's it was a big deal in movie history, and it's a shame that it doesn't really get talked about anymore. I know they've talked about making a sequel to it for years. It's never happened. I don't know if Trey Parker or Matt Stone ever will do it. But again, those, those guys are so much better and more talented than I really thought they were when South Park first came out. And this movie really cemented that in my head. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they've said constantly when asked about it that uh, if when the show eventually ends, they, they may be planning on going out with, with a movie. But I think also there's a lot of um, rights issues around uh, making a sequel because I think Warner and Paramount kind of shared the ownership of this for a long time. And I think there was a lot of ownership issues about who can rightfully do a sequel. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think that this movie often gets forgotten about. And it's I mean, this. Critically, it actually did quite well at the time. Like, it wasn't sort of hated by critics. I think, you know, it got some quite, got nominated for an Oscar. I mean, it was still for a song, but still, like, it's kind of Academy Award nominated film, South Park Bigger, Longer, Uncut. So it is surprising maybe that they haven't done a sequel, but at the same time, it's, 
I, I personally think it's it's one of these great movies that you don't need a sequel. It's yeah, I mean, it's so enjoyable that what what do you want from a sequel? I think maybe yeah, you watch if you still watch the show, you kind of it's you've still got that to kind of whet your appetite for South Park fans. But um, yeah, one day they end the show, go out with a bang, why not? All right, and with that, I think we've uh, said pretty much everything that needs to be said about South Park. Again, I just want you guys to go out and uh, check this out if you've never seen it. If you haven't seen it in a while, watch it again. Do not watch it with children, and do not watch it with your elderly parents. That would be a bad idea. But watch it with Canadians. Watch it with Canadians, yeah. the Most of them, they can probably handle it, and Australians, because apparently nothing is too dirty for you people. Oh, and there was a line in the movie really quickly when it was like Ned, when he's like, I can't wait to go out there and kill some goddamn Australians. And it's like, mm, no, we're actually killing Canadians. Australians, Canadians, what's the difference? I mean, coming from an American, that's probably pretty true, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, I'd agree with that. Oh, one thing I wanted to finish on is that if you guys want some fun, go read Roger Ebert's review of this movie, where he can't quite give it a thumbs up because he says it's more profane than it is profound. But he was almost in admiration of how vicious it was. He's like, I was not quite expecting it to be that vicious and quite that boundary crossing. So in a way, he almost admires it, but he can't quite recommend it. But it's kind of an interesting take looking at his reaction to a movie like this. If only that Christian website could have done the same, you know, like just just check your Bible at the door and enjoy it, people. All right. Just skip skip the uncle fucker scene at the start and then you'll enjoy the rest of it. OK, it's, it's a you know, it's such a Christian friendly movie from there. Yeah. And skip everything the mole says about God. Yes, <laughs> he's he's French. Yeah. Yeah. He is French, <laughs> but he's not highly complimentary of God. Let's just say that. Yeah. Just, I mean, they could they could release the Christian cut of this movie. I'm sure that's possible. Yeah, was it four minutes long? It's just uh, up there with Satan. That's it. <laughs> it's up there. And that Australian line I mentioned, the end. All right. So, again, thank you for finally coming on the show and doing a podcast. I thought that was a fun dynamic we had. And we surprisingly kept the profanity down for the most part. That was uh, – we actually showed fairly good restraint, I, I feel. I know. I feel like I need to end this with, like, donkey ribbing shit eater and fucking cock balls and Liza Minnelli, Barbara Streisand. But uh, no, it was it was it was a pleasure to, to be on. Uh, as I said at the beginning, you know, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. And, you know, you, you're doing great work with this show, with the historians, everything. Funny 115 is great as well. I'm just plugging all your products here quickly for you, Mario, because I'm sure you, uh, you don't do this anymore. Uh, also, your book was fantastic. I read that as well. So people should read that. And uh, yeah, hit, hit Mario up. He's a great guy and buy all his stuff. Wow, you got to plug all my stuff. Now, I will let you plug your own stuff. Well, where can people find you? Thank you once again for doing that. Where can people find more of you? Well, my address is 1 Canada Street, Canada. So that's where they can find me physically if they want to, uh, you know, catch up with me after all these years from the people who hate me still from Survivor Oz. So there you go. Um, I still, still podcasting. Uh, Survivor Oz obviously has, uh, you know, long been dead for or so years now, but we continue in our, our new form. When I say new, it's three years old now, the Oz Network. We, we do a similar things. We, we cover, Movies and TV shows, we kind of have themed months every month around movies where we sort of do four movies a month and have a lot of fun with that one. My, my co-host and I, Colin, uh, just laugh a minute. Very, very fun. Um, we also sporadically do TV shows, Survivors kind of thrown in there every now and then as well, some interviews and that. But uh, the other project sort of that I've 
thrown myself into and thank you very much for the the plug that you gave on the historians we've kind of almost done our own version of historians for australian survivor we've gone all the way back into the depths of 2002 for when australia first started it and we're going to slowly work our way through each of the uh the versions and uh we do that i do that uh with a former australian survivor contestant matt dyson first boot from the fifth season or the third channel 10 season no matter how you want to classify it so a lot of fun keeping busy and um yeah just plugging along and trying to blame canada for everything i do all right thank you for uh luckily we kept this a boot uh one hour 45 minutes it wasn't too long so good job yeah very very good job we talked about everything i think we needed to do and um yeah i might go bomb some baldwins right now i think that's <laughs> what we do on a, a regular day in canada not all the baldwins please we must protect all of them you can take out one or two maybe yeah nah, all of them and the arquettes as well screw the arquettes fuck canada all right, and once again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And until next time, I'll be out there searching for more movies that deserve more love, and I'll try to find somebody interesting to come on and talk about them. Until then, try to keep your profanity count less than 400, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.